a lot of success to be had doing this, man. So don't be afraid to to get dirty, yo, because um, there's some money out there in that mud, for real. That's the voice of Tyreek Jackson, owner of Are You a Fixer, LLC. And I'm excited to talk with him right after a quick word from our sponsor. Hey everyone, what do you know about Shaper Tools? Specifically, the Shaper Origin. As a listener to this show, you can try a Shaper Origin risk-free for 30 days in your own shop. That's right, in your own shop. Just by visiting shapertools.com forward slash furniture brand to learn more. The handheld CNC router that has brought digital precision and efficiency of workflow to so many people is yours to try risk-free. Use it to tackle your joinery, your cabinetry, your hardware installations, and more with speed, precision, and the reliability your business needs. If you want to learn more or to give it a risk-free 30-day try, just visit shapertools.com forward slash furniture brand or check the link in the show notes. And now on with the episode. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Tyreek Jackson, owner of the New York City and Hudson Valley, New York company, Are You a Fixer, LLC. Furniture maker, renovator, family man. Tyreek is all those things, but not always in that order. When he decided to start his own company, after working in the building trades for over 20 years, he knew he had the skills, but he also knew that if he was going to do his own thing, then he was going to do it on his own terms and in his own way. Because when you can build anything custom for your clients, why not build a custom business for yourself? Follow along as we talk about the rise of respect for working with your hands, why it's important to learn from others and to give that knowledge back, balancing life and work, and much more. So let's jump right into this episode and hear about Tyreek's path to success in his own words. Yeah, so for me, um, the building journey is a, is a part of something else, you know what I mean? I've gotten to a point in my life where I feel like what I do is just, uh, people always say, oh man, you're, you're, you're so gifted, you're so gifted, that's God's gift. And I always tell them, building things is my talent my my gift is people and i think much like yourself you know I'm, i like people i like socializing i'm just trying to use my talents to get the most I, that i can out of life and and do some good things for for my fellow man but how it all started i mean i, I could go back all the way i mean it was like um i was the kid you know i grew up in the project so it wasn't it was a lot of scenery that i'm used to now that my kids are used to that i wasn't growing up and so you know I remember at a young age finding like an old nightstand thrown in the garbage in a big pile of garbage outside my building and taking it up to my house and asking my mom if I could get a couple of dollars for some sandpaper. How I knew about sandpaper, I can't really go back that far. I don't know, but I knew you needed it. And this was at a very young age. I remember sanding it and I remember my sister helping me to put stain on it. We never finished it, but I remember after it was all done and it was, it wasn't broken or anything. It just had like water ring stings, you know, from coffee and stuff like that. And maybe, I don't know, whatever, some other schnooks on it. But after it was all done, I remember having it. I was really proud. I put all my GI Joes and Transformers in it. And that was, that was something early on. And then nothing ever happened with that. It's not like it just kept going. But I remember being, um, I remember being in a situation, you know, I wasn't necessarily the most (laughs) 
studious, you know what I mean? Or <laughs> academically inclined student. But I, I got myself into a bit of a situation where I got kicked out of a school when I was in junior high school and I didn't have a lot of choices. And I remember speaking to a, a buddy of mine who was a baseball coach. And he told me, he said, go to this, this school. It was close to my house in Brooklyn. It's called Van Arsdale, Harry Van Arsdale Jr. And he said, go there if you have a choice to go there. And I said, why? And he said, because you can take carpentry. And when you take carpentry, you don't get any homework. And I was like, well, that's it for me. I'm sold. No homework. And uh, so I went to that school specifically just based on that information. I went there. I went to Van Arsdale. And when I got there in the ninth grade, you got to take uh, it was a technical high school, um, which is it's a shame that they don't have them anymore. But, you know, in my age, I was like 92 to 96. They were still around. And um, in the ninth grade, you took carpentry electrical, plumbing, and HVAC. They gave you those four things. And whatever you liked out of the four, you got to do for the 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. And so they gave, I, I wound up taking carpentry last. It was at the end of the year, I remember that. And, but the carpentry thing was cool. The tools were a little more dangerous, which I liked. And you got to make stuff and bring it home. So once we had a project, we, we all made this little wishing well. And I took mine home at the end of the year, and I gave it to my mother, thinking nothing of it. And she really, really got emotional when I gave it to her. And I was just like, damn, you know, I'm just trying to figure it out. But, you know, like I said, I got, you know, I was the type of kid who got trouble a lot. I was the youngest. So for her, she was really hoping, you know what I mean? Because my brother and my sister gave her hell a little bit too, uh, that, you know, I would, you know, that I would work out, you know, I would be okay, you know. And I think when I brought this thing home, because I hadn't really showed any interest in anything, she said, wow, my son could do something. She, she really got emotional. For me, my eyes kind of was like, wow, okay, she's digging that. Now I don't have to spend my own money on Mother's Day gifts, Christmas gifts, birthday gifts. I can just make something. So for me, it was like, okay, I should just keep building stuff because then I could give her stuff for these days, these special days as gifts, and I don't have to buy her anything. But every time I made something in school and brought it home, she was so proud that I started to take pride in it. And when I took pride in it, it, it kept me in school and my grades, it didn't necessarily go through the roof, but it kept me in school in a time where a lot of my friends were, um, you know, where I grew up, a lot of my friends were getting, you know, they were hustling. They were getting a lot of money real fast and making more money than their parents. You know, that was, it was what it was. But, you know, a lot of it is based on who my mom was. She was a big community activist. So there was a part of me that knew I could never do that, you know, to embarrass her, disgrace the family like that. But there was also like a separate set of friends that I had. I had my high school friends. They were in the sports. Some of my friends that were in sports were in my carpentry class. And then there were my friends back from, you know, back in, in the projects. And so just the pride of doing that and bringing that stuff home and seeing the look on my mother's face every time it was something new, some little thing, it was enough to keep me in school. And it made all the difference in the world because it got me from the ninth grade to the 12th. And then, you know, I barely graduated. You know, I had to go to summer school, night school, AM school, PM school. I had to do a lot just to graduate on time, but I did. And I remember in the 12th grade, one of my shop teachers saying, you know, Tyreek, if you're interested, there's a, there's a school to continue your education um, for carpentry. And he told me about SUNY Delhi. And I was like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. And it was, you know, still young. Everything is in one day out the other sort of deal. But um, I didn't have any plan. I just graduated and I assumed she would be happy with that. My mom, which she was, but I took six months off and, you know, some of my friends had scholarships. They were good at sports. They went away, you know, and I was just kind of sitting around and she came to me with an ultimatum and was like, listen, I had some uncles that were in the service. She said, you can go to the service. You can, uh, you can go try and find a job. You can go to school or you can get out of my house. Those are your options. And I was like, damn, 
Um, but I ultimately decided to to go to school and I went, looked at one of those college books, literally thumbed right in the middle, like you do a magazine and Delhi popped right up. I was like, that's it. I remember this. I remember my teacher telling me about it. I pulled out the little thing that you sent away to get the information packet, called him up. We went up there for a visit and I, I wound up going up there and it was a two year school at the time. I think it's a four year program now. If it had been four years, I probably would have went. So I only have my associates, but it was really cool. It was geared towards nothing but carpentry. So for me, that was like probably the only thing I would have done. There was nothing else that really interests me uh, with regard to, you know, higher education, if you will call it that. So, you know, everything was geared towards plans and specifications, blueprint reading, small business management, technical math, um, estimating, all of those things. It was all built around construction, millwork and cabinet making. After uh, I graduated, I remember looking in the paper, you know, and I called up two people. One was a furniture shop and the other one was like an interior framing and, and, and finished sheetrock company. I called them both up, got to the city super early, too early for the first interview. So I went to the second interview and that one, you know, it seemed like they wanted to hire me. So I never even went to the furniture one. Lord knows what would have happened if I had gone to that one. But I wound up doing interior finishing, framing, sheetrocking, and trim for the first six years of my career. And that started in 99. And that was for a subcontractor. Uh, and then um, I wound up booking up with a GC. And I really learned a lot about the business as far as general contracting, beginning to end, from demo to that last piece of blue tape coming off and you're walking around with the booties and all of that stuff. So that was really dope. But when I moved upstate, started a family and everything, I had a couple of kids. And so it was just like... Uh, I finally got some space to get a shop. I had never had a shop. All this time I was living in the city, both between Brooklyn and Harlem, you know, there was really no place to really be creative and spread my wings and, or, not, you know, I couldn't necessarily, I, I, didn't, I didn't have the wherewithal to think, you know, I should start my own business. But when I got the, when I moved upstate and we got the house and I got this shop space, you know, I just started making stuff. I was so happy. I was just making anything I could, you know, to, to just see what, what, what was going to happen. And uh, eventually just because of the commute and family life, I decided to leave the job. I came up here and um, full time, you know, just I opened up the LLC in 2017, but I was still working. So I saw the writing on the wall. I knew I was going to leave at some point, but I was still working. I was still collecting a check and, you know, I was making six figures. It was it was good money. You know, it was comfortable. So uh, in 2019, I decided to leave. And, uh, you know, you I used 2019 as the setup year. You know what I mean? It was just like. <laughs> you know, get the website going. You know, I had already been on Instagram. I was meeting a lot of cool folks and seeing that there was a real community out there of other people just like me, which was dope. And, um, you know, I figured 2020 was the day to, the year to kick the door off the hinges, you know? We all know what happened in 2020. And so, you know, there was a reboot of that and, you know, kind of a little bit of a scramble, but things have been really good, um, really good. I've been pretty busy, man, really busy. And the fact that, you know, this shop that I have that has been more than enough space Seems now as uh, I'm sitting here right now with like cabinetry all over my outfeed table, trying to figure out how I'm about to crank out the next side of this kitchen. But it's going good, man. I'm grateful. That pretty much in a nutshell is is how I got uh, from A to Z. There's a whole bunch of other stuff in the middle, but, you know, I've just been enjoying the ride. There always is. There's always a lot of stuff in between on that ride that really makes you who you are and takes you from that young kid who didn't know what they were going to do, who thought I could just make things for my mom and that would be a present to now that is your profession. It's a ride that took you to where you are today. 
I think sometimes when people have this or had now, it's a whole different industry. It's a billion dollar industry. There's HGTV. Everybody's, you know, this is we're in the right. You know what I mean? That's why I say, like, I feel like we were ahead of the curve. If you got into this early enough to where, especially with the skills gap, you know what I mean? And the shortage of talent that there is out there in our current, you know, situation, like the sky is the limit. If you got the right skills and you were you ready to go after it, you know what I'm saying? So I'm very grateful that I made my decision when I made it. I worked for people for the first 20 years of working and it was fine. I did well. I learned a lot, but I'm looking around at the what's going on out here and I'm I have so much work, yo. And and it's it's only looking better and better, you know, to the point where I like I'm telling you, I'm this shop is shrinking by the day. So I'm very happy that I found it at a young age and I'm happy I stuck with it. It's so true that a lot of people now with all the TV shows dedicated to furniture and renovations and social media built around it. And even people who aren't in the trade still love to watch people build things on all these different platforms. But not that long ago, and you and I have been doing this for a while, so we know it, but there's a lot of people who don't know that not that long ago, what we're all doing was considered a trade that was looked down upon. And yes, there were some famous furniture makers or famous builders, but personalities, yeah, back then, sure. But that was few and far between. And a lot of the people were just, it was just grunt work and it was seen as a less than profession than going to an office, than doing something along those lines. Working with your hands was seen as less than a normal job. Now it's completely different. And now everybody wants to work with their hands and everybody thinks it's such a skill and everybody's excited about it. People do our profession in their free time. And it's a great change in the industry and something that I'm so happy to have witnessed and and to keep witnessing and keep seeing happen but it's definitely a change from what it started out as oh yeah for sure man it's a it's been a big shift it's been a big shift it's 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 the tools it's the clothing it's you know it's a whole vibe it's a whole look to it you know it's like it really is is very cool to do what we do you know what i mean and the numbers don't lie you know what i mean i've I've made six figures for a long time. And I, you know, I thought that was good money. I made more money than anybody in my family. And, you know, I I was the first one to get a car. I was the first one to buy a house. My mom, she had a great job, but she worked the government job. She worked for the post office. We had benefits. You know what I mean? She took care of single parent, took care of us. You know, she did the best she could. Sometimes parents, though, they can only see as far as they've gone. So she wanted me to take that test. And I did. So a piece, I took the post office. I was like, Mom, I don't want to do this, though. You know, this is not what I want to do. I'll take the test. I know you want, you know, I get it. But, you know, it was it was big to. To go out there and do it on my own. And it wasn't it wasn't. a. I don't know if it was four years of doing it before I was making just as much money as, as she was. And to her credit, she came to me and, you know, she said, I'm proud of you for sticking to your guns and doing what you were passionate about. You know, it's, it meant every, that meant everything. That meant everything. Cause my mom is my hero. You know what I'm saying? And so for her to come to me and, and say that after, you know, I kind of went against the grain and did my own thing when, you know, she probably could have lined me up with a job. Like I said, she was well-connected, but for me, 
you know, she was just worried, you know, because it had a stigma to it, this whole thing, you know, back in the day. Oh, you don't want to be a dirty construction worker walking around. You know, that never bothered me. I thought it was cool. In fact, I once I started making good money, I mean, good money. And I was, you know, I saw there was no ceiling. I would be looking around at these dudes, you know, in their suits and briefcases and be like, yo, y'all ain't even getting it. Y'all not getting it like that. And then what really took it to the next level is when I was able to bring my talents home for my family. You know what I'm saying? Because it's one thing to do it for folks all day long. It's a whole nother thing. And this is probably one of the, in any kind of building profession, but it's one of the only professions where you can really take your, your work home and make the home life better based on what you do for a living. Not everybody can do that. Some people make enough money that they can pay others to do it, but it's a whole different sense of pride. You know what I'm saying? Like I do, I try. I don't get to do it all the time, but I try to do stuff with my kids a lot. Cause, and they've seen me, fortunately, because I never stopped working on the house, you know, if, you, know, you know how builders do, but they get to see the efforts that I put into this. And we live nicely because of it. You know what I'm saying? And it's not all because I make all this money. It's because I have the skill to do it and I take pride in doing it. And they take pride in doing it when they do it with me. You know what I mean? These are certain things that, you know, you just can't get out of every profession. And there's not a lot of jobs that you can do that at, you know? And if you truly love it, if you're truly passionate about it, it's like, it, it ain't even work. It ain't even work. And that's the thing. You talk about the hobbyists who do this. If I didn't do this for a living, I would be doing it as a hobby. At the end of the day, there's nothing else I know I would, I would find more joy in than, than doing this, you know? When you're working for somebody else, when you're working for a company, that job can be hard. There's physical hardships. There's mental hardships. I'm not playing down how hard it is to work for somebody else. But when you work for yourself, there's a whole nother level that people who haven't worked for themselves don't understand because it can be a hard job when you're working for somebody else, but you go home and you take off those boots and you say, this is my time. I'm off the clock. But when you're working for yourself, there's no really off the clock. Yes, there is with proper time management time that you can have to yourself. But if you're the heart and soul of the company, if you're running the company, then it's on your mind all the time, whether you like it or not. So for you, having worked for a long time for other people and doing it well, working on very, very high-end projects, working with great teams, but that was working for somebody else. When you started to work for yourself, when the switch flipped to do your own thing, what was that transition like? What did you put into place to succeed working for yourself? It's a great question. Uh, time management, you said that in the beginning, is very important because you, that's a skill in of itself. You know what I mean? You got to know how to manage your time. I'm a family man. You know what I mean? When I think of myself, I, I think of myself as a family man. It's very important to me. And so it's a balance. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a real hard balance, you know? And I heard somebody say, you know, no matter what you do, you know, it's, it's hard to win, you know, because if, if you go out there and you work hard to provide for your family, you're, you're not there. There's a father, as a man, as a woman, as, you know, as, as any kind of parent, you know, when you're out there performing, you can't be there all the time, you know, for, for, for the children. But if you don't 
go out there and perform. You know, you, you can't take care of them the way the way they, they meet their needs. So for me, that that in of itself is a, is a, is a very uh, delicate balance that you have to manage. The, on the company end, working for myself versus working for someone else, um, it has its pros and its cons. And like, like you, I'm very uh, much a social butterfly. And it just so happened at the company that I worked for, we had 35 carpenters. It was a pretty big outfit before I started working for the GC, um, where it was just he and I, but I was able to reap a lot more of the financial benefits. Um, but I, re- I like I like working with a team of guys. There's, there's, there's this cool thing about being on a construction site, you know, women too, don't get me wrong, but there's, there's just, you know, just the, the, the fellas having fun, joking around. You know how it is, man. You hear some of the funniest jokes and the craziest stories on construction sites, just, just working with like-minded guys. There's, there's something that gets lost when you when you kind of take it all onto your own and you have to manage stuff. And I'm a sole proprietor. I don't have employees. So for me, it's just me. You know what I mean? And uh, I'm in here. I'm doing my thing. I'm by myself. I do miss the camaraderie of it. But the benefits, the financial benefits, I mean, yeah, there's a lot more money to be made if you take the leap and you go out on your own. You know what I mean? You get to reap a lot of the benefits of that that you know a lot of stuff happening in the pandemic where a lot of folks realized that you know by they were forced to do it and some of them just they made up their mind that you know there wasn't enough stability in working for someone and if, if it's going to be this unstable i may as well go out there and risk it all uh, on myself and put it on me so there's a lot of money to be made doing this man depending on what you i mean i don't even want to say depending just in the trades you, i mean it, anybody will tell you it's so hard to find a good contractor. It's so hard to find any kind of contractor. And we all know there's enough bad ones, but there's a lot of money out there to be made. If you have some skill to do this, there's more than just, there's more to life to making money. But the, the biggest transition for me was I thought I, I was making good money. You know what I mean? You couldn't tell me I wasn't making good money. I was in a sweet position and, and I didn't have to put everything on me, but you know, I did it long enough. You know, I start, I didn't start my company at a very young age. Um, that it was, you know, a smooth transition. You know what I mean? I was responsible for jobs and blueprints and, and running a crew at a young age. So for me to just make the transition to where it's just me, it's more just, I've missed the hanging out with the guys, but you know, doing the work and, and showing up and, and putting it on me, it's, it's not a lot of pressure. It's just, it's just more money to be made, to be honest. Let's talk about money to be made because I feel like that is the, the overarching elephant in the room part of this conversation because you've talked about how much money there is in the trades and i know that there's people who are making money but there's people who are also struggling to find an ability to make the money that they need to survive so let's talk about how when you went out on your own you found ways to continue making money you know the whole thing with with um with making stuff and I consider myself a carpenter, but like, I don't know, you know, like you said, there's a lot of gray areas. You don't want to pigeonhole anybody, but I've worked in industries where painters don't plaster. You know what I mean? On certain jobs, you get plasterers. That's all they do. They hang sheetrock and they plaster, but they don't paint. You get framers that don't rock. Some of this stuff doesn't make sense to me, but it really depends on where you are. You know, I've done framing, both metal and more wood in college, but in the city, you know, in New York, as you know, it's mostly metal. Um, I've built staircases. I've done sheetrock. I love sheetrocking, to be honest. But I also have done trim. 
and built cabinets and built and designed my own furniture. So for me, it was more trying to decide what was the best option for making money. And I think not as far as skill set, but just like marketing myself and 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 trying to sell things for for certain amounts and, and how I went about selling it. Like I did the whole market thing. No, no, not a shot at anybody who does it, but it was not for me, you know, just trying to go to the markets and and set up a tent. I did that. I don't know why I did that because I didn't, I didn't start making money in this industry doing it. But when it came time for me to try and figure out certain things to do, I was like, Oh, okay. I've seen this done. Let me go ahead and try that. You know, I opened up an Etsy store, like none of that stuff was for me. And I see cats. I was doing the math. I was, I was like, okay, this is how many sales they have. This is what they're selling this stuff for. They got to be making $150,000 a year selling this stuff. Okay. That's good money. I, I should do that. I could do that. It was not for me. None of that stuff was for me. I found that for me, the best way to make money was doing interior renovations and, and things of that nature. Like what I did, that's my bread and butter. You know, and working in the city, it's not like working in the burbs where you're throwing an addition on in the house. Most of the city is apartments and townhouses. And, you know, you're working in between two slabs of a, you know, however many story building, um, exterior brick to exterior brick and you have that space to finish. And I got really good at doing that, working with someone and doing even things by myself. So I, I knew that was my bread and butter, but I had moved up to the burbs, you know what I mean? So now here I am back in stick Framingville, you know, and and trying to make sense of, of how I'm gonna make my transition there. But what I found was, you know, because I had this job and because I was being creative with the, the woodworking aspect of it and working on different furniture designs, it made sense to kind of lean more towards custom millwork, built-in, built-ins and kitchens. And it was funny, man, because I was literally at what I swore would be, and I don't know if it'll be, but I swore would be my last little market uh, furniture thing. And I went there with very low expectations. You know, I wasn't making any money. And I just, I think I was going about it wrong. You know, those things are great for networking. That's what they're great for, I find. You might make, you know, a thousand dollars or anything like that. Or sometimes you will, depends on what you're selling. But I went to this particular one with, I was telling people, hey, I make this furniture so that I can come to these shows and meet people, but I'm actually a contractor and doing renovations and custom kitchens and 25 foot built-ins is really where I shine. And you should have seen the eyebrows going up because with the shortage of contractors and everybody in our lane being super busy because everybody, everybody knows it. and people's eyebrows are just like, really, 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 really. And so I left that trade show. I actually did pretty well at it, but I wind up getting like $40,000 worth of work in the form of custom kitchens and built-ins. And it was like, hmm, okay, that was interesting. And so, you know, obviously, you know, there's a little bit of fortune and, and having the right attitude that goes into it. But I wound up meeting a few cool people. One of them turned out to be a developer who had just moved to the region from, you know, from the Hamptons. And was used to doing three and $4 million houses out there, but he had, he was trying to put a crew together and he found me, he found, you know, my skill set, what I did. And, you know, he was just like, listen, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dividing, I'm subdividing um, 38 acres. This is what I have in store. I'm looking for someone who can provide this. And I mean, I met two developers recently and I'm telling you, 
I have more work than I can handle right now, but it's more in the form of custom millwork, trim packages for whole brand new houses and kitchens. It's a lot of work. It's a ton of work. And, you know, he keeps telling me this one guy, he's like, you know, that scene from Jaws, you're going to need a bigger boat. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'm going to grow you out of this shop. You're going to need a bigger boat. I mean, as a one man operation, I can't take on uh, a two story addition with framing unless I want to sub stuff out. You know what I mean? So what was cool for me and what really made up my mind was because of COVID, it's crazy how it just made people have to adjust. We decided to do homeschooling. And we kept the kids home and we had a, we hired a teacher, you know, we, we didn't want to just leave the kids home. So somebody had to be here. So I decided to just shift from taking any jobs where I had to leave the house to stuff where I could build it custom and maybe do a day install. You know what I'm saying? And that just started to make sense. And jobs started to come in where I could, you know, do 90 to 95% of the building and finishing in my house. And I was like, man, this, I'm making good money doing this, man. And I'm home. You know, that's, that's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, I just kind of shifted gears. Like, how can I do more of this? And, you know, just meeting the right people, making a few connections and, and staying active. You know, it's been working for me, man. I, you know, I can't tell you how everybody works in different markets across the country, but it's been nice, man. And, and like, I'm fortunate. I know how fortunate and blessed I am to even have a place that I can work that is literally, I come out of my house, I walk 60 feet, I go in my shop, you know, it's a blessing. And I'm able to do a lot of my work from home. I get to spend a lot of my time with my kids and you can't put a, you can't put a price on that. So like I said, money ain't everything, but it certainly is a lot of it out there to make, boy, I can tell you that. You've really found the beauty of working for yourself and developing your own company the way you want it to. And a lot of people forget that because you could have switched into working for yourself and continued to do the type of work that you were doing before and not yeah, enjoyed it. Aspect. Yeah. And, and not enjoyed it and stressed out all the time. And you didn't get to see your family. And yeah, you might have been making money, but you wouldn't have been living and working the way you wanted to. But you really embrace the fact that this is your company and you turned it into the type of company that you wanted it to be rather than letting outside forces dictate how you went about your day to the to, to the credit of the guy that i used to work for who was amazing and he's like family to me i just didn't want to i didn't want to do what he did you know what i mean i watched you know you, sometimes you're in a position where you're not at the top but you but you're certainly not at the bottom you're like in the middle so you get to reap those benefits financially and you know the managerial kind of position but you don't you're not the head so everything doesn't fall on you and i was when i worked for someone i was in that position it was nice you know i was comfortable company card full benefits the whole bit and i didn't have to deal with a lot that he had to deal with so i was like man this is nice i uh, you know i'm glad i'm not him you know when it came time for me to do my own thing, I remembered some of the, the, the joy that he didn't get, you know what I mean? That I didn't, you know, let's say like some of the joy that was stolen from him just in the business, you know, everything can't be, you know, peachy all the time. I get it, man. But Hey, if you can get, get it to work for you the way you want it to, you know what I mean? That should be part of the goal too. You know, I'm very passionate about this and I, 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 I hold that and I guard that, you know, and it should be guarded. You know, you, I don't I don't like to see when people just don't have respect for this game. You know, we've come a long way. We're sexy. You know what I mean? This is a billion dollar industry. And 
you know, you should you should have respect for it. You know, I, I want to be able to pass this along to somebody, you know, I don't care who it is, you know, somebody who's willing to learn. And so I could be for them what those guys were for me. And we could just have that exchange of energy and respect for building. I'm always looking for that. And so if I can do that while growing my business, it's just another win. People who are outgoing and have that outgoing personality and like doing the sales and like meeting new people, it's the most natural thing in the world. You walk into a room and you think, by the time I leave, everybody in this room is going to know who I am, what I do, and that's how I'm going to propel my business forward. But for some people, it doesn't come naturally. And it seems like either a terrifying thing or just something that they can't seem to do. They can't seem to make that connection. But like we talked about earlier, making that connection is usually what separates builders who end up working for somebody else and people who work for themselves. So you as an outgoing person, shed some light on how you think about marketing yourself to people when you meet them. I will be the first to say, as outgoing as I am, marketing myself and my and my company, what my what I what I offer, my skill set has never been one of my strong points ever. And the 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 company that I worked for, he built his company in a very high end market, uh, word of mouth, like old school. You know what I mean? This guy didn't even have a website, and so. I find that what I lack in being able to market myself to people on on a business sense, I'm able to make up for just trying to make a human connection. I think that goes a long way and people overlook it. You know what I mean? I like to listen to people. I like to learn their origin stories and how they got into it. The same as, as, as you, this is really cool what you're doing. I respect it a lot. And I'm glad you're giving me the opportunity. Let me say that now before I forget, but that goes a long way, man. Just like I told you, I, I, I like, this is my talent. Building is my talent. My gift is people. And so where I lack, what I lack in, you know, some guys are great. They market themselves. Or I do this. They got, they got the verbiage down. I, I see them. I follow them. You know, some guys are amazing. I'm like, damn, I'm ready to like hire this dude and I can do everything he does already. But what I lack in that I make up for and just making a human connection, it carries me uh, as far as I need to get to, to get the job, to make a connection. I have to, um, I have to always remember that, you know, cause sometimes I get down on myself because that's just not one of my strong points, but when I think of all the opportunities that I've gotten over the years, it's just from literally striking up a conversation. You know what I mean? When I went to that fair, I had the lowest expectations of making money. And yet I walked away with it with so much benefit. Literally, I made money in the form of getting jobs, but everything that came after it was just from striking up conversations with people. I had people come over to me and we were talking I was probably losing sales because I was so engrossed in the conversation. They didn't do what I did. They weren't necessarily offering me any work. They were, they saw my passion for building and, and I wanted to know about them and where they were from and, and their families and, and why they were there. It just made all the difference, man. Sometimes 
just making a connection, man, with a person as a human is, is all the marketing you need. You know, people, they feel it. They can feel that, man. And, and it goes a long way. I think certain people miss that. I'm not a good, I don't, I'm not a good salesman. I don't sell myself well. My work certainly speaks for itself, but it's, it's hard for me. I'm not one of those guys that can come in a room and, and walk around. And like you said, let everybody know who I am, what I do, what I provide. I will go into a room and make a few friends and exchange some numbers and people will leave saying, man, you know, that guy's kind of cool. I'd like to have a drink with him. <laughs> and sometimes that's enough, you know, and then you get to, you know, you get the second meeting that happened to me a lot and you get to, you know, you get to meet people that was those, those relationships and that the way that stuff, that kind of forms is so much more valuable than putting on a show. And I'm not saying that people are phony, but you know, for me, that's what works for me. Meeting people, listening to them, talking to them, telling them about myself, being vulnerable and, 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 and taking an interest in what they have to say no matter if they can help you make a buck because you never know how it's going to go down the road. Making personal connections in this digital world is something that, that people just forget sometimes that sometimes it's just a person talking to another person in real life, just being interested in their life and just making that connection. And whether it's a job then or a job down the road or, no jobs at all sometimes just making a connection is just really important absolutely absolutely that for me has gone and just you, you never i can't tell you how many things that have happened to me good just from saying hey uh, you know what's your name man what do you do oh really oh that's dope and then find you know and before you know it you're in the middle of this conversation and, and you find out yeah you can actually help each other or if you don't the conversation is so good. And, and you know, they're like, oh, you got to meet this dude. He, 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 he does what you do. He does what, you know, he's a developer. He's a, he's a GC or this guy's building a house right now. He's looking for some custom work. You know, I can't, I've been at the park with my kids, you know what I'm saying? And landed jobs just from conversing with the parents, man, and talking about parent stuff and, and kids and da, 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 da. The next thing you know, you know, you're talking about home life and, and renovating and, oh, yeah, really? And <laughs> and you got a job before you know it. But you know what? It, it didn't start out that way. It started out, you're just taking your kids to the park. It happens, man. It happens like that. That happens for me a lot. So, that you know, that's how I move, man. It's working for me. If you build your business in a way to be able to receive the success that's coming your way, then it's going to happen. It's going to happen from all over. And if you put yourself in that position to succeed, then what you might perceive as luck is really just you putting yourself in that position to succeed. You need to think about building the base of your company so that it's strong enough to be able to get that next job from anywhere, to be able to accept it from anywhere it comes in, whether it's somebody at the park, whether it's a developer, whether it's a sale on your website, you need to have a strong business in place to be able to accept those next jobs. And that brings me back to something we were talking about before and something that's really important for somebody like you who is a one-person shop, and that is management. When you're getting all these big jobs, when you have developers saying, I'm going to give you so much work that you're going to need to build a bigger shop. That's exciting. But that also is a little bit scary because you need to be able to manage your business because 
getting a lot of work is great, but not being able to handle that work right. once it comes and then ending up burning that bridge, burning those connections, getting your name out there that you're not somebody who's reliable, that is a business killer. So how do you manage your business? How do you manage your time and your workflow and how you're doing that as a one-person shop doing these big projects? A lot of the answer to that question is going to have to be a to be continued because I'm dead smack in the middle of it. But it's okay. We're all we're all learning. On, we're all learning on the job <laughs> as it is. What what I'm what I'm finding is is helping me is getting getting to bed earlier and getting up earlier. That's a big one, man. That is a big one. I get up at 4 a.m. Uh, almost every day, and I don't get my kids up and get them ready to get to school until six. They have two hours before the bus comes. But at 4 a.m., I'm up. I'm on the treadmill. I'm doing five miles. I'm in the gym. I'm hitting the weights. I'm getting all that stuff that I know makes me feel good. Strong. I've always said strong body, strong mind. And I'm sharper when I'm in shape. So for me, I like to get up, get my workout out the way, get the, you know, get everything prepared for the day, get any emails out that I need to get out, you know, before the sun comes up, you know, in the summer months, obviously the sun's coming up a little earlier now. So I'm up before the sun every day. I can tell you that if I can be and getting the most out of, out of the day, you know, we all say it, you know, the day is just too short, man. You know, and I got the energy, you know, most folks, they'll tell you, yeah, listen, give me a 30 hour day, 32. And then I'll, and I'll get it all done for you. But there just ain't that much time in the day, you know? And when you have kids, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a fun ride, you know, but you can't predict how it's going to go, you know? So, you know, with colds and everything else and illnesses and school and this and that, you know, there's a little bit of unpredictability to it, but getting up earlier for me and, 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 and getting a lot of stuff done before 6am, that's been big for me getting up earlier and giving myself more time to get stuff done. You know what I mean? Because getting up, you know, if you're used to getting up at seven or getting up at, at seven 30, you know, try getting up at six 30. Try getting up at, at, at um, 6.15 and, and see the difference. That little 30 minutes every day over the course of a, you know, a five-day week, over the course of a 30-day 30, 30 month, it adds up, man. And you can get a lot more stuff done. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can't account for, you know, especially when you have a family. They, they should come first. You know, you got to make time for, for the business, but you also have to make time for the family. And it's a balance, man. But I know getting up early. It's working for me. I'm getting a lot more done in the day and it's making up for lost time stuff where, you know, you're you're going to look at jobs or, you know, you're on the phone with uh, potential clients or reading blueprints or, or anything like that or waiting on materials or running to get materials. You got to give yourself more time, you know, and, and there's never enough. So the best thing for me, I found is to just give myself as many hours in a day as I can to be productive and and try and get good rest, man. That's that's been working for me. It just goes to show how when you're running your own business that it is all encompassing. It is your entire day. And the best business tip that you can give kind of doesn't really have to do with business. You're getting things that matter to you in life out of the way. You're working out. You're having a more relaxed morning with your kids, you're doing all that stuff before you're even going to work. But that right. that centers you and lets you have that work-life balance 
to be able to give your all to the business because you know that you gave also your all to what you want to do for your life that day. Yeah, for the family. Absolutely. You know, doing all the work in the world and and, and staying busy and, and knocking out jobs. What does that mean, man, if you're not home? You know, what does that mean if your kids don't know who you are? It means nothing. My dad died when I was like 11 years old. So I go extra hard. You know what I mean? Because there was a lot of stuff that I went without. And some of it is cliches. I grew up in the projects. I never knew nothing about fishing. But after he died, I was like, man, I'm never going to go fishing with my dad. So I don't know anything about fishing. I still don't know anything about fishing. But, you know, we out, we out there. We out there with the poles whenever we get a chance, you know. And these things matter. They matter. I try and create the memories however I can. I do a lot of it with my kids because I want to. I want them to be there. I, I, for me. It ain't for it ain't even for them. And so I can go back. You know, sometimes you get down on yourself. Family's everything, man. It's, you know, you only get one life and it's short. And, you know, none of the success, none of the work, none of the, you know, the, the glamour that comes with it, you know, none of that stuff matters, man. If, if, if the home life ain't right, you know, and not everything is perfect. Not everybody's home life is perfect. Mine certainly isn't. But I do a lot to protect that. That means more to me than anything else. And getting up earlier to, to put that first allows me to have the business coming in second feeling better. You know what I mean? Because like you said, I put in the time for the most important things. Um, and that's the home life, you know? Everything else, you know, you get bad days, you lose money, you make money. But the time with the family, man, that's got to be for me. That's got to be at the forefront, you know? Otherwise, what the hell are we doing it for? Since you're not working for somebody else, since you don't have that boss, you have a goal which becomes your boss saying, I'm working for this. I'm working for for you. It's family time. For other people, it might be vacations. For other, For some people, it might just be money. But having that goal and having that defined in your mind what you're working towards because working for yourself if you're a one person shop or a two person shop or you have you might have a few employees but it's not the same as working in a big office building it's not the same as working with a lot of people it can become a lonely profession and you have to remember that there's something outside of it that you're working towards rather than being totally insulated in your own mind and forget that there's a whole world out there. Yeah. Listen, people are out there dying every day, yo, every day at the end of the day, you know what I mean? And just to be able to get up, you know, especially in light of things that happened recently, you know, just to be able to get up and, and go to work and have a job and hug your kids. You know what I'm saying? It's like, a blessing in of itself. And sometimes we get just get caught up in the rat race searching for something or, or chasing something. You know, I love this job. I love what I do. I'm so glad that I found it at a young age. And I love money. I love the smell of it. I love the feel of it. I know it ain't everything. And honestly, I would do this for free. I don't have to. I don't have to do it for free. Um, but, you know, th- this is, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm very happy that I have this, you know, but this is, it does get lonely. It does get lonely when you're your own boss, but 
I'm just so happy to, you know what I mean? To be where I am to like, I own my own business. You have to understand, you know, not everybody's story is the same, but for me, I own my own business. That's a big deal, man. Doesn't matter how much money I make. I get up, I make my own hours. I play by my own rules. I still take pride. I still respect the game. I still respect the craft and everything that and everyone that came before me, you know, and I want to put out my best work. I take great pride in that, but I own my own business. So yeah, does it get lonely? Of course it does. There's a little bit of pressure and you'd be like, damn, it was nice when I worked for someone and got a check every week. It didn't have to worry about some of the stuff I have to worry about now. Of course. But I feel very blessed to be in the position that I'm in. And, you know, I just, I think entrepreneurship is something that I wasn't taught when I was a kid. I kind of, you know, I just figured it on my own. I had some entrepreneurs in my family, but it's, um, not everybody can do it too. I, I get that, you know, not everybody's not meant, you know, not everyone is meant to, to own their own business, but there, there's so much upside to it, you know? And for me, time is one thing. Money's great, but it'll, it, it, it now I know they say, you know, you, you hear those cliches. Oh, I used to work, uh, eight hours a day. And now I work 24 hours a day working myself. Yeah, that's part of it, but it's all how you manage it. And that's all how you perceive the work. I love what I do. I love it. I absolutely love it. I love everything about it. So I'm not, it's not bothering me that I come in the shop on a Sunday, you know, as long as my, my, my family's straight, as long as my kids are straight, it don't bother, it doesn't bother me that I work till two in the morning trying to finish a job because I can't have the ability to do it, you know? And the flexibility of being able to do that to being able to take two or three days off for personal reasons, for vacation reasons, to, to rest, to get better, you know, or just, just check back in and, and make sure your mental straight. You know, it's a luxury that not a lot of folks understand when they, when they have to show up to, to work for somebody else every single day, you know, and nobody feels sorry for you. So, uh, I love it. You're really big on the idea of, of giving back, giving back to this industry. You learned a lot. You took a lot from it, from people who had done this before. And now that you're in that position to be able to give back to people who are coming up, who are trying to follow in similar footsteps to, to how you got here. So for people who are looking to start their own company. Maybe they've worked in the trades for a really long time and they think now's the time to go out on my own. Or maybe they've never even picked up a hammer, but they think furniture is my path. It's where I should go. And they want to start their own furniture company. And then there's also people who have been doing this for a while who don't feel like they're getting everything out of their career or their company as they want. So for you, who's, who's done this, who's put the time in to learn the industry, who's put the time in to learn the trade, talking to these people, what's some advice that you could share with them that they could take to heart in building their own company? I would say try, try not to look so much at what, what other folks are doing. You know what I mean? Go at your pace. Find out what, what, what you're good at and what, what you feel is a strong point and, and start there and, and add on. You can always add on. None of us knew everything that we know now, no matter where we started. We've been learning since 
day one, and it doesn't really stop with the industry. There's some basics, but as material change changes and uh, codes change, you know, we always learn different ways to do it, you know, and there's so many people that know so much more than any one of us on any given day. Like, I would say definitely, definitely try not to watch what people are doing and, and engage what you're doing, but, but definitely seek people out that you feel are like-minded in, in your approach. It doesn't matter where the skills level is because that can change with time. You know what I mean? But see, if you, if you, if you're going to try and learn and you should find a, I guess, find a mentor is what I'm really trying to say. Make sure you, you try and pick one that you admire, you admire, see what they're doing, see what they've done and, and, and try and mimic it. You know what I mean? And, and don't be afraid to reach out to them. I've reached out to folks. And that's the great thing about Instagram and the community we have out here, social media in general, is that you can just reach out with the woodworkers and the, and the trades people. You know, we're, we're just a different we're just a different type of person, man. And we're all I've had people call me and ask me advice about stuff. And I've literally called. And this is the thing. Like, I can say, hey, people DM me. Hey, bro, I saw you did this. What do you think about that? First thing I do, and nine times out of 10 is because it's just easier for me to get on a phone call and I can keep you know, doing what I'm doing. I say, hey, here's my number. Give me a call. Let's talk about it. Like reach out to people. There's so many people that want to teach you, that have information. Literally, you just got to ask them. You know, Find a good mentor that, that you feel is a good fit for you and reach out to them. Ask them some advice. But definitely don't compare yourself to anyone. Don't say, man, this guy has been doing this. And, and look what he's doing and look, look, look how far he's gotten and look what he has, you know, because there's always going to be somebody better than you. You know what I mean? Just go at your own pace. You should always do what you love. So if, if you're going to get into anything, you know, do it because you enjoy it. Don't do it because, you know, you feel there's, there's, there's more money in it than your last job, because you might find that you're not built for it. And the, the money just, it doesn't equal up to the satisfaction that you're getting out of it. Find a good mentor, man, and, and go at your pace. That's what I say. Wise words. And thank you so much for, for sharing them. And that and everything you've said in this interview, I really do appreciate you spending the time to, to share your knowledge and what you've learned over the years with everybody listening. So I truly do appreciate your time and wish you nothing but success as you continue to do what you love. Likewise, man. I really appreciate you. You know, that you know, you're a doer, you're a builder, but you're also, you know, you're, you're a storyteller and you're letting people tell their story. And that's important. It's important to hear it. You know what I mean? Then just, you know, it's, not everything comes across in posts and reels and stories, you know, of, of what people are really doing and the, and the feel for the business and the ups and downs. And it's nice to, to actually, you know, put a sound, a real soundbite to what's going on out there. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to tell my at least how it's been going for me. It's like, it's too be continued. Like I said, man, I'm in the middle of it, but I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying the ride. I love the community that's out there. And like I said, I feel like I was ahead of my time getting into this trade. I, I really hope that this country as a whole, you know, um, gets behind the trades a little bit more and, and makes the investments that is needed because um, there's definitely a shortage, man, of, of craftsmanship out there. And it's sad because... It's, it's very necessary. And on the flip side, if you're in it, man, 
there's a lot of upside out there for you. There's a lot of success to be had doing this, man. So don't be afraid to to get dirty, yo, because um, there's some money out there in that mud, for real. Thanks so much for listening to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen. To learn more about the show, you can visit buildingafurniturebrand.com. And feel free to reach out anytime to say hey, ask a question, or suggest a guest for future episodes. Our email is hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can follow along with me on Instagram at thebuildwithethan, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode. This show is produced and edited by me, Ethan Abramson. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks so much for listening. The Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson podcast is proudly part of the Woodpreneur Network, the media network and community for wood entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.